So we're we're recording professionals. <laughs> this is take four. Uh, so this is okay. If this was a podcast, <laughs> I might say something like, "I'm Andrew Junker with Roman Honeycutt." Hi, and this is why we do this. <laughs> This is episode 13, which officially marks a full year of doing this show. So we wanted to change up the format a little bit. The original title of this as a podcast on iTunes was French Press Interviews, because for lack of a better name, we just kind of threw something out to put well, it was Well, it was supposed to be just like the meat of a podcast. Yeah. Like we didn't want it to be about us. It was just about these interviews. But then we kind of quickly realized through input from our colleagues and people that have been listening, which to our surprise is actually a lot of people um, that was like, hey, out of context, we don't really know. know, There should be some context around what you're talking about. Yeah. So why don't you treat it like a real podcast, you dummies, and (laughs) do a little bit of an intro and give it a good name and, you know, make it a real show. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And so uh, we came up with the title, Why We Do This. Or why we do this. Uh, Because we're actually, it it all started because of our genuine interest in why, you know, specifically in uh, filmmaking and production, but also in a broader sense of any profession that that comes from a place of passion and love for the craft, for the art, for whatever. Uh, why the hell would you put yourself through the amount of (laughs) work that is required to do it well? Uh, because it really does need to be, uh, you have to come from a place of passion to keep yourself going. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, along with interviewing directors and producers and cinematographers, we also want to talk to, you know, other members of production and, and beyond that, um, you know, editors, assistant camera, uh, people, lighting technicians, anybody that we can, can help give us a more rounded sense of just what it is that we do and why we why we do it. Yeah. Um, so our first guest on our new podcast, <laughs> doing a like a real intro, <laughs> like a talk show host. Uh, we've got Joe Mendoza, uh, who is a gaffer. Uh, for over 17 years, and he's also the CEO of Little Giant Lighting and Grip in San Francisco. Uh, we used to be a couple blocks from them in our old office, uh, but now we are just a short uh, body of water away from them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we talk, we're, you know, what you're going to hear is we're talking to Joe about uh, how he got into both the industry and also became a part of Little Giant. Uh, and then, you know, what are the things that stands out to him about, uh, you know, what he believes is important to his craft, what he sees about, uh, you know, the the Bay Area as a community of filmmakers, and, um, you know, just sort of some, some general talk about uh, why we do this. Why we do this. So in the conversation is Joe, myself, Roman, and Chris Walters, who is uh, one of the other founders of French Press and the CEO. Uh, so we start. We kick off the conversation with Joe by um, him making the distinction that he's not one of the founders, uh, but how he got into how he became a part of Little Giant. 
So I didn't start Little Giant. Okay. So I started a company when I was, I, so I'm just going to start at the beginning and work yeah. my way into it. So when I was 17 in high school, I decided that I wanted to be a producer in the film industry. Um, and so my school was able to sort of provide some sort of education in that direction. It wasn't like a trade school, but they had some like what they called regional occupational programs. So I went and they found a mentor for me within the Bay Area. And so it was a guy that had actually graduated from my high school who was running a production company. Okay. And so he, so they set, they, they hooked us up. And anyway, um, I started working for this guy for free and I was stoked, you know, I'm like this kid in, in high school and I'm like, I'm going to be a producer. Like this is, this is all coming together. Like I was so stoked, you know? And he was like instantly like, yeah, that's, that's good. Can you move those sandbags from there to here and those C-stands <laughs> over there? And he's like, yeah, just do whatever you want here. You know, you can just have, have free reign of the place. And he had like this little studio with a bunch of equipment. It was pretty cool. And so he started bringing me in on productions and stuff like that. And uh, obviously I'm still going to high, high school and I finished my high school. And then I go to college at SF State <clears throat> and I'm still maintaining this relationship with this guy. And then finally he starts to pay me and I'm getting like, you know, $300 a day flat rate for 24 hours. I'm like, this is the best money I've ever made. <laughs> you know, I was just like totally stoked at like getting to do my dream. But back then even I was one of those guys that liked to work with my hands. I just didn't know it yet. I learned really quickly too, like as, as a 16 year old, nobody takes you seriously as a producer. Um, <laughs> secondarily, like no one's going to give you any money unless you're independently wealthy, which I wasn't. Yeah. And, or you have this incredible like mind that can create stories and write them down and then transfer that to people. I realized during college that I really didn't want to be a producer and I really didn't want to be a director. I didn't want to be a screenwriter. I just wanted to be a technician. So started working all the time in college too in San Francisco and I met a lot of people here and uh, so the Bay has always been my home so it was it was easy to meet other people other technicians and cinematographers a lot of people that are still actually working now and then I went and studied abroad for two years in the middle of my college education because I finished I finished film school in like two and a half years three years almost and then I was bored because it was like so easy and just like all you do is watch movies it's like the best education <laughs> yeah, it's, ever it's pretty great right it's, it's pretty amazing you, you watch you watch movies you learn cinematic terms yeah you talk to your other friends who are film people and you talk to them about film terms and then you can have these like lofty in, conversations exactly yeah. exactly yeah these, and you talk really loud when you're in line at the movie theater exactly whenever i hear those guys i'm always just like you you're in film school exactly you don't know that you sound like a dick right right right, <laughs> right. exactly so i got to be that asshole for a little bit and i really loved it and it was like a part of my college experience and my exactly i had those friends and we yeah. talked lofty about films yeah. and talked down about other people and Me we too. talked about how certain films were like oh this is the cinematic masterpiece and you never understand yeah yeah <laughs> and then and then i got older and i started to realize that i was actually more of a fan of commercial type films hmm. and more mainstream stuff and stuff that that was the stuff i had poo-pooed was really the stuff i enjoyed more yeah and it was the more technically challenging uh aspects of filmmaking and so as i got older i think going abroad really helped because it just opened my eyes to the world like i wasn't this like college kid anymore I was this little speck of a person in this huge world mm -hmm. and then I came back and I just was like well what am I gonna do like I only have one skill uh grip <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I'm gonna start a company so I started my little company which was at, at the time it was called Falcon Lighting Services of which I got a lot of grief for because at the same time there was a porn company called Falcon <laughs> Porn, <laughs> and they did gay porn so uh 
so anyway, so that actually kind of helped. <laughs> that helped. Help. It did help because I was in San Francisco and they rented from me those guys. Because um, <laughs> they like the name of my company. Yeah. As they like the name of their company. Like our name's all over your gear. Exactly. I actually think we have a light that you sold to Jesse Dana. Yeah, we do. Oh, really? It's we still have, got oh, the Falcon. Right. Yeah. Does it have the Falcon? Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. yeah. Falcon on it. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's me. Yeah. Falcon lighting. Well, I'm glad it's from you and not the gay porn company. <laughs> well, I don't know. You'll have to see. <laughs> I would clean it, clean it thoroughly. <laughs> so, yeah, so I started that company almost at the exact same time as Little Giant was founded by Charles and Damien and Cliff. Mm-hmm. Interesting story about Little Giant. So Little Giant, the name comes from... Uh, a bunch of different places, uh, but what's nice about the name is that the fire hydrant in the mission district that saved the city in the Great Fire, the 1906 fire, right, is called the Little Giant Fire Hydrant. Awesome. Huh. And so we ended up in the mission district, and I was like, wow, how awesome that we've got, like, this historic name that ties into San Francisco somehow, because we were all, all of us were very, like, San Francisco-centric. In fact, sure. still now, three of the partners, or three of the owners live, like, four blocks from the, the business. When I, when I decided to bail on Falcon and join Little Giant, it was more of an interest in, in doing bigger and better projects and more creative projects that involved more stuff. And they had more stuff, and I didn't want to buy all that stuff, and so we just sort of joined... Together, we joined forces, and by joining forces, it was nice because then I had a cl- collaborative team, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have collaborators, and, and there's so many lone wolves in this business mm-hmm. um, that it's nice to have people that can, like, get together and do something instead of being, like, this is my vision, you yeah. know? Because I, I don't know, so much of what we do is collaborative, and so much of what I think has made... Uh, Little Giant successful and me successful and, and the owner successful is that we're all sort of collaborators and we all really like coming together mm-hmm. and talking about things and we can be open and accepting about other ideas and it's never just like, this is how we're doing it. What, what I'm curious about that because uh, it is something that I think about too, that, that too that's like there's there's a split perception and part of me wonders if it's just misguided. It's like there's the, the lone wolf kind of thing and then there's the collaboration side and I, I feel like there's this like this idea that they don't fit together. Like, what do you think that is? Like, what do you think causes people to think that they've got to be that, like, lone wolf? I mean, I think they do fit together. I mean, I, I think there's no question they fit together, right? Because the film industry is half those people right. and half the other ones. But your question specifically, I, I think there's a, there's a need to want to identify yourself as, you know, your own brand. Mm-hmm which is like to use a very modern term. Certainly when I was coming up, it was never that way. It was just, you know, you're just doing your own thing and you heard of these great, like like a lot of my mentors in the Bay Area are people like uh, John Fontana, Alan Steinheimer, Daryl Flowers. These guys were incredible. Uh, uh, I missed Dick Favaro in there. Th- those guys were all like lone wolves, you know? None of those guys were company guys. I mean, Arthur, Arthur Fryer and Steve Condiotti, the other two really gaffers of the Bay Area were the company guys, right? Hmm. They had a company and I was right. never, I was never really into that um, then, but I guess <clears throat> this is a long answer to. No, 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 it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. I actually don't know a lot like of the history. Like, Film history? The I, history. Could, I could well, teach. Like, these, these, all these companies, I've definitely heard these names and worked with those people. Right. But I haven't, like, I don't know how it all kind of came together or you, how, they, how they separate each other. These guys, these mentors, these like lone wolf mentors, they all have their own way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about maybe filmmaking the most. 
mm-hmm. um, and commercial filmmaking especially, is is you can bring these different personalities that are so big into a room and these guys can say, well, this is how I want to attack this. Collaboratively with these other big personalities, because the director is generally a big personality and the, the gaffers tend to be big personalities on the larger scale things. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, obviously the DPs tend to have a big personality too. And so somehow getting these three big minds to somehow meld and create something collaboratively is kind of a miracle in some cases. How did your role kind of shift from, I mean, as as Little Giant was kind of forming, going back to your sort of story, right, mm-hmm. um, to being the guy who's, like, educating clients and, and I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a broad question, but I'm just trying to... No, I... Of, yeah, I don't... The puzzle. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the right answer. I, you know, five years ago, I don't know if I knew what we were doing. <laughs> you know, I, I look back now and I go, wow, I, I had no idea that it was going to be what it is now. I'm really proud of what Little Giant's become, Mm -hmm. uh, but so much of Little Giant has so little to do with me personally now. But I spent the last, I think, the last four years making sure that that was the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what I really saw out there in the rental houses, especially in the Bay Area, is that there wasn't any customer service. Hmm. The only thing missing was customer service. And and then you start to call around, and we started to realize this as, as Jesse really grew into his role, we started to realize, like, oh, we're renting from New York and Seattle, and and no one has customer service. They're all just these, like, guys <laughs> like us yeah. that were like, oh, you need a C-stand? <laughs> you don't know what a two-by-three solid is? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Jesus, man. Like, yeah. That's always the most intimidating thing. That was especially when like, we were starting out where they, someone would be like, oh, producer, like, you have to go call this rental house. <laughs> and it would be the same thing. I'd be like, I don't know. I would show up and just be in- instantly intimidated by right. all yeah, of that stuff. Right. And then, and then the the worst part though is that those guys are are more than happy to beat you up for not knowing something that you don't need to know about. Right? Yeah. It's like hold on a second, like it's it's you know I don't need to know how the 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 watch is made. Yeah, I just need to know that I you know how that it works, right? Yeah. And yep. so like that's kind of it. And so I took that philosophy and I and I and I also wanted to rebrand and you know we're in the bay area and I I see all this like incredible stuff going on around us and I was really in, in, uh, influenced obviously by Apple and by the 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 cleanness of their presentation and I was taken by that and so that's certainly the way we went with our website. Hmm. That's certainly the way we went with our design within our shop and our trucks and like everything is just clean, as clean as possible and as efficient as possible for the end user trying to push the philosophy that customer service matters mm-hmm. uh, and making the best impression you can to everybody around you is also super important yeah, and yeah. not being this jerk about lighting because yeah, yeah. uh, it's it's an art. Like, let's respect it as an art first yeah. Yeah. and then we can move forward into the technical aspects of things. It's okay you don't know things. Like, everybody doesn't know. Th- you know, a lot of yeah. us, you don't know until you you've learned it. Yeah. yeah. So why beat someone up for that? And, uh, and yeah, so that was sort of the, that was the main driving philosophy of the company and also s- just focusing in on, on like smaller market. And I just, I think I, I saw a niche opening up, not for me per se, interestingly enough, my career went the other direction, mm-hmm. uh, but little giant went sort of small and focused mm-hmm. on small and we're San Francisco, right? So like big trucks were never really in the, in the cards. I mean, we have a couple medium sized trucks but nothing huge. But focusing on smaller productions really gave us the edge, I think, because mm-hmm. so many smaller productions started popping up everywhere, right. doing smaller things and not needing two 10-ton trucks and 20 union guys and 
and this huge commercial production. I mean, that stuff still happens, and I, I love working on that stuff. But there's a lot of stuff happening where it's like an airy kit and a sound guy, a DP, uh, a producer, director, mm-hmm. and a grip, right? That's right. what that was. There's years of me doing that, and there's yeah. there's still years of people. Now there's even more of that here. Yeah. Um, thanks to the technology in the Bay Area. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that answers your question kind of about the flaws. No, totally, totally. And just kind of thinking another sort of broad question to throw your way. Just like, so as you're like scaling up the business, you kind of like, you're putting in all these things to hit these little markets and you're, you know, your company's kind of growing. How do you keep things kind of focused? I think the one thing, the one philosophy that that I I certainly borrowed from other Local grip companies, uh, Arthur Fryer Company, um, and his philosophy of his company was anybody who's anybody that's coming up in the Bay Area, whoever you are, from any level, you can use gear, and we'll make it work for you. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the, like the student film philosophy, mm-hmm. and uh, we we adopted that immediately because that was always my belief, right? Like all the San Francisco State guys that don't have the means, yeah. or the City College kids that really don't have the means to do production, we never say no to those guys. Right. Um, and so that's part of our philosophy, and I think that that sort of goodwill goes a long way yeah. mm-hmm. in creating a great brand, and that keeps the brand focused on creative, and I think that potentially leads to more creatives in the future, right? Because these guys are potentially directors, producers, mm-hmm. gaffers. I mean, there's a, there's a risk of being pigeonholed as a smaller company yeah. um, because of those sorts of philosophies. And I just say to that stuff, I say, whatever. Like, it, that's, that's too bad. If people want to think of us as small and they can't think bigger, uh, that's on them. Um, but the truth is, is, like, we can do huge jobs yeah. mm-hmm. and we can do small jobs. But when we can't do something and it's too big or it's too small, we usually just pass those jobs off to the other competitors. I mean, we, we hand off jobs to all of the local gaffers in the Bay Area who come to us and treat us with a level of respect. Right. Um, and even the ones that don't, I guess. When it gets busy enough, you know, we give our jobs to our competitors. I mean, we do. Uh, when a job gets big enough and it's just going to be too much, like we're going to have to rent all this equipment uh, just to make that job happen. And it's not even it, at that point. It's not about the margin because mm-hmm. it's never about the margin, really. It's about just making the customer happy. Yeah. Then we just we just give it away. Well, I think it, it's an interesting thing because, like, I see this in the Bay Area, and and I want this in the Bay Area, but it's like you you have this viewpoint of it's you know competition versus community, and I think erring on the side of community is far more important, and it's that thing where it's like you 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 take for granted or you or you don't realize how many people out there just want to do good work and they want to do creative work, and then we find ourselves all in these different rocks and we're not like climbing out and talking to each other, you know? And it's like the potential to say, okay, well, yes, they're their competitors, but at the same time, it's like we all have the the same or hopefully have the same goal in mind, which is just good work, you know? And so it's like the idea to neglect that is, for me, it's a little crazy, you know? I, I like to think of it as this, and, and, and you know, I talk about this a lot. We, we have a lot of meetings at the company, which is like <laughs> the last thing I thought I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> you know what I same mean? Here. Same here. It's like scheduling meetings to talk about philosophy. Really, is this happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess it is. Here we are, <laughs> To the right people. Right <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's just crazy. But um, the one of the major, I think, philosophies that we have is exactly what you're talking about. We believe that we're the collective community of the barrier is only as good as it's all of its equal parts. Yep. Right. And so if we can't make our competitors better, 
if and that sounds really silly to say, but it's true. If they're mm-hmm. not good, then none of us are good. And then yeah. we can't none of us can get these jobs that we all want. Yeah. So you need you need to present good all the way around. Even if yeah. you you know, we get a we get a lot of clients that are having bad customer service from X yeah. vendor. Uh, and that's fine. But yeah. we're still we don't go around talking trash yeah. about them because that doesn't help us. Right. And also we need them as much as they need us. And there's you know there's there's so much collaboration going on here just in terms of business. Yeah. Why would you try to flush that down the toilet? Totally. And, and I think furthermore the community I I've always thought of the Bay Area as the opposite of the Los Angeles market where yeah. it's it's not this shark fest. Yeah. It's this it's this community of just like it's the perfectly balanced fish tank. As a fish tank person, I can say that. <laughs> it's like where all the fish are getting along, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and yeah, there's gonna be the some fish that die along the way. It's a weird analogy. <laughs> but but the but the community as a whole needs to thrive, right? Yeah. yeah. Or else or else what why I don't why have the fish tank, I guess. <laughs> like why even have this community of fish, right? If they yeah. can't be get along collaboratively. Yeah. It's like a, they can have a, a fish tank with one fish in it. Right. And that fish I have that and fish that, tank in my house. It sucks. <laughs> that fish is an asshole. He's an asshole fish. Yes. Fetlana is such a <laughs> She's the worst fish I have. She's such a bitch. <laughs> she beats up all my fish I put in there. I can't put anything in there. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the heart of this conversation. That's what we really want to get down to. Yeah. So, what's your favorite fish store? Yeah. <laughs> now that you are in that space of Little Giant as being like you know an established company and having it be where it's at, has your perspective changed in terms of how how you you know work as a gaffer? I, I don't I don't know. Maybe there's no answer there, but I'm just I'm oh just no, curious. there's an answer. <laughs> there's an answer. I don't know. <laughs> I got to think about what I want to say. Um, I, I think it's it's easy from my chair to sit back and say, you know, uh, the lone wolf philosophy is all wrong because, right, it's worked for me to be collaborative. Mm-hmm. I can I can certainly see how the guy coming up who doesn't have a lot of clients yet is the shark out there just trying to just trying to get a client, mm-hmm. right? Just yeah. trying to get the kill. So I'm not going to say that's wrong. I think that's that's fine. That's business. Mm-hmm. Um, but my perspective as a gaffer now has completely changed for sure because I have this I have this company at my back, and furthermore, uh, I don't you know I feel like I want to be creatively involved, and if I can't be creatively involved, I don't need to take other jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come off like an asshole. It's just that the truth the truth of the matter is this is my 18th year as a gaffer. Yeah. Um, and you know, like when I was 17, I don't think I was much of a gaffer. Let's be honest. But but you know, it's 17 years of tech hands on. Doing yeah. it right yeah. in the trenches with the guys, yeah. And in the last three years, f- three to five years, I've really sort of looked inward more mm-hmm. and started to look like, okay, well, what does Joe Mendoza want to do out in the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I want to have a collective body behind me of work that I've been able to participate in mm-hmm. that makes me feel proud of it. Yeah. And uh, there's certain types of jobs that I just don't I don't. I don't know if I'm going to get enough from it. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing personal uh, to the project or to the people. It's just that there's certain jobs that are more creative and technically challenging, and that's the sort of stuff that I, I find joy in. Mm-hmm. Um, is, so there, is there something, a, a, a type of project right now that you haven't done yet that you want to do? Like I want to blow up a car. 
<laughs> Always wanted to blow up a car. Let's do it. The problem with blowing up a car is you really don't need much lighting. <laughs> just a sunny day. It's just a sunny day, yeah. Uh, but I've, I've, I've been on a job where we cut cars in half, and I've done a bunch of stuff with cars, but I've, and I've done tons of car commercials, but I've never blown up a car, been a part of that. It's just not something that happens in the Bay Area very often. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know it's stupid, but it's totally, I would That's love to do that. Blow up a that car. would be amazing. All, right. blow up a car. Yeah. Uh, I've blown up all sorts of stuff too and I've done like some of the my most favorite work these days is the stuff where we're technically you know we're shooting at a super high frame rate with a phantom or something like that mm -hmm. and we're just getting these really cool explosive moments of like whatever things blowing up it's so cool to see something like that in real time and just to get to be a part of it and it's so it, it's technically complicated you can't just hire some dude and be like, oh, we're going to blow stuff up. Yeah. I mean, you can, but it's not going to turn out as good. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, then, and then it also depends on scale. Like if you blow up just a phone, it's going to be pretty simple. But if you blow up a car, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. You need more tools to really get the, the most incredible shots and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, Phantom stuff is my favorite. I, I love it. And I, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to do a lot of it. And I've been able to jump with the technologies and the times. And do you think about lighting in terms of like how how do you think about it? Is it like a painterly thing? Is it a, a like what what is your? Because I feel like everybody has a, a, a different kind of like intention about how they think about it. Um, when it's me doing the lighting for me, mm -hmm. which is not very often, I really a hundred percent believe that what I do and what I execute has to be what the director wants and what the DP wants. Mm -hmm. So the way I approach it is how do I get the coolest looking shots? And it is sort of painterly, I guess. I mean, I use a lot of just the basic techniques of lighting, which is where where do you want your key light to come from? If you're lighting people, everything's different, I guess. There's not, yeah. there's not one approach, and painterly seems overly dramatic for what I do. <laughs> I like to say I manipulate photons. That's like what I do. That's what I do really well. You're the science guy. <laughs> the science guy, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean... I think that it's so subjective. I think mm -hmm. I just try to make I try to make pretty pictures mm -hmm. when when the client and the producer and the director and the DP will let me. Yeah. Um, and I try to give it my all. Yeah. Every time you treat treat every job like it's your first, and then you're gonna do the best you can. And then if they don't give you that opportunity, you just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It will end there. Yeah. Yeah. In in terms of working with different directors, different DPs, do you feel like you shift a lot to sort of create and work with them to, to light something? Or do you feel like more often than not, your your approach is relatively the same? You're just adjusting little things based on what they're asking for. Like how how much do you change your approach? I think I think my approach changes on every job. And if it doesn't, then there's then I'm I've certainly lost my new my new personal journey, mm -hmm. yeah. right? That's not to say I can't bring the same tools because oftentimes it is a lot of the same tools. I mean, there's, you know, there's a finite amount of tools on the shelves in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. period, that you can rent. And I try to rent them all because I want to, because <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. And I'm interested in trying new things and I'm interested in, in potentially failing. And so I'm always trying new things. What I like the best for lighting is when a director comes to me and says, this is the, this is my idea. We're doing this. We're the lights coming through here hard like crazy light over here there's you know these things are going to happen over here and like what do you think what do you want to do with that mm -hmm. and i'm just like oh god i don't know you know like it it makes me think about it yeah instead of just you know approaching it like okay well we've got two m18s one joker 400 one jolico uh we'll just do what we can mm -hmm. you know like that works yeah but i'd rather be able to get the right tool for the right job mm -hmm. 
And, and the more and more what's happening in the lighting industry is that there's more and more tools. And everyone's like, oh, it's the, you know, the LED is going to kill all the whatevers, all the tungsten lights. And I just don't think that's necessarily true at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not impossible. But I also think more importantly is every light offers a different solution to a different problem that we may not have been able to overcome with the old tools we had. Yeah. So it's like my toolbox just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger, right. which gives me more and more flexibility to execute the new creative idea. And, you know, it's, it's like lighting is not rocket science. When it's an interview, especially, it's very straightforward. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes subjective and style and all those other things later. But I think a lot of the stuff is pretty straightforward. You know, it's not the most complicated trade you can learn. Unless you start going into deeper, you go deeper down the rabbit hole, which is what I've tried to do with my whole career, mm-hmm. is know more than anybody about this so that I can be looked to as a resource. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the company is the same way. I want people to come to Little Giant and know that they can get information and a good customer experience and then be able to execute their job in the most efficient way for them. Some of it is you enter into it as, you know, from from school or wherever, where it's like, this is the way you light something really small. You know, maybe I don't have the budget or maybe I don't have the resources and I've got three LED lights. There it is. This is what I know about the world. Then you get to a place, and I think it happens with all production, every aspect of it. You get to a place where it's like, now you're on a bigger job or you have the opportunity for a bigger job. But all you know is this. How do you think is the best way to, to shake up that mindset, get out of that small world sort of view? I think maybe the bigger question is, do you want to advance out of that space, hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. that's the question for all people involved in any aspect of business, really. It's like you get to a point where you're comfortable and that's enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot. That There's a lot of people that have that. I look at that and I go, wow, that's it's a lot better than what I got right now. What I have is a lot of stress <laughs> and I have a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of fun, awesome jobs, but not without a huge cost. Yeah. Um, but for people that are trying to get to a, a level of higher creativity, I think you have to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, I would say that the, like the, the directors that I think are the best in the Bay Area that I've worked with or in the world are the ones who are kind of always thinking big, mm-hmm. but willing to take compromise on various levels. To, to get to their vision. Yeah. And then I think if you approach it like that, that gives you the flexibility to scale up and down with a production mm-hmm. and work with the people within your means, right? So I think if you can think bigger all the time without it compromising the product, then you're going to be able to, to succeed and keep moving forward. So, so I have a question, and this is more towards being the CEO of a business, but you're also a working gaffer. Right. So how do you reconcile those two? Like, like personally, I really struggle with that as yeah. like not getting into starting this company with my friends. It was like, oh, we're just going to make shit because that's what we like to do. And right. we got we reached a certain level of success. But at some point, someone has to be like, well, now it's just us. And, you know, there has to be this person that's doing all that sort of thing. So how do you sort of, you know, come to terms and with that? And how do you deal with it? Um, I don't know how you come to terms with it you just yet. Uh, I, I was I mentioned this earlier, but I think having mentors is important to success. Um, and so I have gotten I have sought outwardly to get a lot of people that can help me get through this sort of process. But I think the the complicated part is like having having a business and being actively out in the field. Those two things don't really jive. The way that I've found the most success is you have to sacrifice that field work to do the business work. And then you have to empower the people that you have there to make the company go. You have to empower them to be successful. That's how I'm balancing it right now. I don't, I don't believe that it's 100% there. 
but that's okay because there's always there's always more room to grow. There's always more to do. But I think that by making people uh, valued, uh, appreciated, you know, making them part of the team and feel empowered to make critical decisions and then letting it go. <laughs> Definitely the hardest part. The hardest part is letting go and knowing that, you know, like, look, I, I don't need to be on every job, um, even the biggest ones I, I want to be. And I certainly seek those jobs out. But yeah, it's it's a challenge. I think it's an ongoing challenge, especially for me. Uh, in my situation, I'm the conduit between th- three different perspectives and 10 different perspectives. And I have to make that meld into one perspective mm-hmm. and one outward facing idea um, that isn't just Joe Mendoza and it isn't just Cliff Traman. It isn't just Charles. It isn't just Damien. You know, it isn't. It isn't just one of our visions. It's all of our collective vision that has become, like like you were saying, the brand and Little Giant. Like that's what Little Giant needs to be is all of us working together collaboratively or it fails. Mm-hmm. It's like a kid that you have to like, you brought into this world and now you have to go make it do good things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it's going to wind up in jail or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kids here, but yeah, someone needs to watch it. Yeah, somebody needs to make sure. Feed it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, somebody has to feed it. Yeah, yeah. somebody like, has to change the diaper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make sure it doesn't wind up electrocuting itself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do, do you have a? Do you have thoughts on, or, or uh, you know, collectively the four of you? Do you have thoughts on what's the next tier? I mean, I I think I don't want Little Giant to go anywhere. Mm. Obviously, um, I want Little Giant to be here and be dominant in what we do. Uh, which is great customer service, great products, um, great service. I already said that. Great service, great products. Great service, service, service. Did I say service yet? Yeah. We have the best service. And, and you know, and we have the best <laughs> technicians, and, we, and we're willing to say that, like, everybody that we bring in, whoever it is, is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we have a five-year plan. I think the five-year plan is to, to keep on keeping on mm-hmm. and keep strong in the Bay Area and make sure that we are ready for a storm if there is one. Mm-hmm. And be ready for the next Super Bowl if there's something like that. I mean, it's like, you know, those sorts of things are, that's the unicorn. So it's just trying to be prepared for the unknown. I mean, our, our business is so weird because it's it's all driven by creative content in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. So we need more of you guys out there create, drumming up more work for us. <laughs> and then and then keeping all these corporations wanting this, right? Yeah, or all these yeah. small companies oh. wanting content. Yes. I, I don't think that's going anywhere. But I think it's it's really the onus falls on you guys to create more so that you know so that we can service it properly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also I think educating our the onus is on us too the, to educate the importance for people like yeah. us to yeah. keep going. Why yeah. you don't hire right. you know the neighbor with a five D or like yeah. an right. iPhone or, that can right. do these things, that, right? And also that your in house person can only do so much. Yeah. Right. So, because that's the direction that's, that's, it goes. That's in the direction a lot, a lot yeah. of companies totally. end up going in is yeah. like we got a guy or a girl. Well, I think also just from a creative standpoint, it's like what I tend to see so often is like this lowest common denominator of creative work too. That's right. like pushing to get outside of that like oh this company did this video I want that video it's like, well, why do you why don't you want to do something that's going to make you uniquely stand out yeah. and I think it is that there's a bit of that like what you're talking about it's like you need to be able to fail and you need to be able to get into an uncomfortable place to be able to push beyond that and do something that nobody's seen before or hasn't been you know like done in a long time right. <laughs> you know yeah I totally agree I think it's if you're not creatively pushing yourself, then 
then what are you in this for? If it's in, if you're in it for the money and you're one of those companies that's got everybody working in house and, and you're not willing to look outside your little box, mm-hmm. you're going to never be more than that box. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, I get it. Like we all have to pay the rent. Yeah. But yeah, I think pushing those creative boundaries as much as possible on every level should be important. I mean, I work co- collaboratively with production designers all the time. And with my new design stuff that I'm doing now, I'm working with like restaurant owners. Mm-hmm. I'm working with business owners. I'm working with corporation executives, you know, like people that are higher up that come from a totally different vantage point than we do in this production world. And it's, uh, it's been, it's been great. It's been challenging. It's been interesting. It's, it's a whole different, it's a whole different world. There's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. Uh, but it's still important to me that I'm, I'm getting the new director, the client, what they want, and then try, trying to think of a way to creatively get there. And then obviously following all the laws and stuff like that, but you know, <laughs> making it, making it safe and making it yeah, great and, right. uh, you know, being collaborative again, it's, it's for me, if I'm not collaborating, it's just boring. It's a, it's a completely different conversation, which is exciting, you know, right. but you're, yeah, you're talking about different things and you're solving different problems. Yeah. Um, anything, any sort of stuff that you feel like you haven't gotten a chance to talk about anything come up in the conversation? I don't know. I love, I love talking about lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love talking about little giant. I love talking about like the Bay Area community. Mm-hmm. You know what I can talk about that I didn't talk about. I'm going to just talk about briefly because yeah. we were talking about Bay Area history. I think what's, what's really happening now that's going to be really interesting is in the next five, 10 years, there's going to be a change of guard and it has mm-hmm. to happen. And it's been coming for a long while. Um, you know, a lot of these like old school gaffers are just, you know, they're going to age out. You know, mm-hmm. not not that there's, you know, because as a technician, you want to work forever. Right. Yeah, um, you do because you love doing and you love being part of the process because the yeah. process is so exciting like you were talking about. And it is. It's fun. Um, but there's a lot of guys that are going to start changing. So I think it's I want to be optimistically cautious that we don't lose this community that we have, mm. that all these guys worked really hard to create. Unknowingly yeah. so, I think, in a lot yeah. of cases, or knowingly in Arthur Fryer's case. I think it's important we don't lose that. Yeah. And so Little Giant's always been that. It's the home base of community for, for me personally, but for like our first party that we had five years ago where like 500 people came through the doors and we were like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> like there's this many people in the Bay Area doing film production? This is amazing. Yeah. And so then we started pushing that more. And I think a lot of people copied us and that's great because the more community, the better. Yeah. Like if everyone's having open houses and having people come through the doors and more yeah. people when we meet more people, great. Yeah. You know, the more business we create, the more it's going to help the entire Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So I think it's on, the, it's on the, the new guard to be respectful of that and mm-hmm. not be sharks about it mm-hmm. but to be cool about it and try to really collaborate in a real collaborative way not in a aggressive takeover way mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah, <laughs> it's a really no, terrible no. way to put it i think no no, but... no that's great that was yeah i think we feel the same way because i think it's it's our turn like i think our turn's coming and i think it's important that we we respect it mm-hmm. and we do the, obviously just like i said keep the philosophy going do the best we can cool cool all right thank you guys yeah no thank yeah. you thanks yeah. yeah i never get to sit in on these they keep you out well they run it I just so that was Joe Uh, thank you again Joe for being on uh, this episode and this show and I hope you had fun (laughs) you hope you hope Joe had fun or or the listener I hope we all had fun Um, so then uh, to close out this show and something I want to play around with in uh, in future episodes is what we are calling the epilogue. Uh, this is just a little, I guess, a little bit of insight into our 
it's process. Like a, a insight into madness, yeah. basically. <laughs> uh, so this is us, uh, myself, Roman, and Chris. Basically, we're just losing our minds working on budgets, and Chris makes a Metallica reference, which prompts Roman to make a Hulk Hogan reference. And then you can kind of just hear it spiral into madness. So hopefully you think it's funny and feel free to just stop listening now because it's all that <laughs> stuff. All right. Why we do this. Okay. Bye. Bye. I'm the one who takes you there. You know that Metallica song? You guys know that? I thought that was a Hulk Hogan song. They go, I doesn't care. <laughs> That's a Hulk Hogan song? A Metallica song. <laughs> You mix up Metallica and Hulk Hogan. Hey, brother. Wait, that's Macho Man. Let me tell you something, brother. You know it's sad but true. Wait, isn't it? Oh, yeah, hey, brother. Oh, yeah, hey, brother. Oh, yeah, hey, brother. This is my fucking mind. Oh, yeah, hey, brother. Oh, yeah, hey, brother. I'm just doing fun. That's, um, so far, we've got... Oh yeah, hey brother. Come on down to the wrestling mat with the oh yeah, hey brother. <laughs> Come on down to the wrestling mat. Oh yeah, hey brother. Is that how you promote your match? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking sandwich board. <laughs> Just ringing a bell. Oh yeah, hey brother. Come on down to the wrestling mat. <laughs> Oh yeah! Hey wrong. brother, come on down to the wrestling match. <laughs> oh boy! The giant eye fights the pharmacy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can! I'm the six! I can! I'm the six! I care. He's just trying to plead his case, not get help. I can! I'm the six! <laughs> A Russian dude? Yeah, he's got a weird Serbian, Serbian accent. The only accent. His name is a Serbian guy named I. Trying to express that he express he has feelings, and the pharmacist is just like I'll say. Neither of them are speaking. Oh, now they're in the middle of like a. Everybody goes to like watch it for some reason. I care, I'll say. No, no, I care. That's somebody's in the I care, hey brother, come on down to the wrestling bench. I care, hey brother. I care, hey brother, come on down to the it's like experimental art thing, all the people like going to like what? It's like wrestling fans and like bros going to It's like wrestling bros and then like really like any like art critics are like, wow, this is so What the hell is going on? I'm rooting for the giant eye. He's just yelling the whole time. I don't care. Hey, brother, come on down to the wrestling match. You're going to be like in the shower tomorrow. Like, I care. Hey, brother, come on down to the wrestling match. Yeah, yeah. I care. Hey, brother, come on down to the wrestling match. What is that song about? Well, it all started. I care.
wrestling match. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, okay, so uh, that's like me on the drums. <laughs> 